The Seahawks haven't had much luck in L.A. under Coach Pete Carroll. Will they able to buck that trend against the Chargers in Week 7? We're going to be devising a game plan in our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s for joining us here on Blue Friday and making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. As we do every Blue Friday, it's time to devise a game plan. How can the Seahawks go to L.A., a place they've really struggled? They're 1-5 in five playing in Los Angeles under Coach Pete Carroll. How can they buck that trend and beat the Chargers in Week 7? We'll be coming up with a game plan, dishing out our X-Factors, looking at keys to victory, and much more. Jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of Bet Bet BetOnline is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. We're closing in on 48 hours until kickoff at SoFi Stadium between the Seahawks and Chargers. And uh, not surprisingly, once we get to this stage of the season, it's week seven. Both teams have pretty lengthy injury reports coming out of Thursday's practice. Now, obviously, Nick, we don't know the final injury reports yet with this show being early on Friday. Both teams still have to practice and then they will issue their final injury reports. But the Seahawks have some pretty significant question marks coming into this game. Most notably, Tyler Lockett has not practiced the last two days due to a hamstring injury. He missed a practice last week, did play in the game. Is there any reason for concern there with him missing the first two practices this week? Well, sure, yeah, there's concern. Um, even if he does um, somehow play in this game, it sounds like he might not be 100%. And Tyler Lockett is a key cog in this offense. He has been for multiple years, and especially now, and this transitional year with, with Geno Smith, the quarterback, it seems like he's become um, a, a bigger part. And you now Geno Smith and, and Lockett have connected for some pretty special completions already this year. Um, having him out would be uh, a pretty pretty big uh, part of your offense gone and a big hole to fill. And, you know, there's a, there's a chance he could play. There's a chance he could practice today. Um, but even so, it's concerning that he's not 100%. You're going to need him. Uh, with with, with uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the struggles in Los Angeles and this offense, I think it to kind of take a bit of a step back against the Cardinals to find that rhythm again. It would be a real hard time to find that rhythm again uh, without Tyler Lockett. And I'm just wondering where his health was at on Sunday because he had a very quiet game and the Cardinals were bracket covering DK Metcalf, but it just seemed like. Smith wasn't often looking for Lockett and maybe wasn't creating the separation. I didn't specifically look on film at him when I was reviewing the all 22 and he did make a couple of big catches late in the game, but uh, it just was a very quiet performance for him. And so you got to wonder if he was not close to hundred percent and he suited up for that game. Is that the type of situation that we're going to be dealing with this week? That would be a much bigger problem against a chargers team that quite frankly has an offense that's been more consistent this year than the Arizona Cardinals, the opponent that the Seahawks were able to shut down last week, have been. And so I think that's significant. Gabe Jackson probably going to be out a second straight week. I've already said this earlier this week. I actually think this offensive line is better with Phil Haynes in the lineup personally and not necessarily even knocking Gabe Jackson because I thought the last couple of games he played in were better than week two. But 
Phil Haynes has really played really good football. And so I'm not sure that that necessarily, you know, if, if Gabe Jackson is not close to 100%, you don't have to throw him out there. Play a guy that's a starter caliber player like Phil Haynes. And then when Gabe Jackson is healthy, you can put him back in the lineup. But he hasn't practiced at all this week, missed all of last week. Seems very unlikely that he's going to be playing this game. The good news on this front, big number 99, Al Woods, full participant in Thursday's practice. He was limited on Wednesday, just getting him back in. But Pete Carroll says he feels good. The fact that he was a full participant yesterday, that suggests to me that number 99 is going to be back out there. And I think against this opponent with the running back that they've got in Austin Eckler, having the great wall of Al Woods out there would be a big deal for the Seahawks. Yeah, a guy that has his own solar system almost in the in the interior there. Um, yeah, you, you want a guy like that in the interior with a guy like Austin Eckler on the other side. Um, the Chargers are going to try to run the ball and establish that line of scrimmage. When you have a guy like Al Woods who can kind of put who can push back pretty significantly on that, um, that does swing the odds in your favor. So having Al Woods back would be huge. I think this is going to be one of the harder. Uh, maybe not. I mean, not that the Chargers have this you know prolific running game. That is just unstoppable. But Austin Eckler, being a fantasy guy myself, has been really effective. He's been he's found different ways to affect the game. Maybe it's not you know running between the tackles fifteen times a game, um, but he, he's he's become a very effective weapon um, out of the backfield for uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. So having Al Woods there as perhaps maybe a bit of an equalizer would be a big swing in, uh, for momentum in the Seahawks' direction on defense. Yeah, Brian Monet played really well in his absence last week, and you would figure that Monet's still going to get a lot of snaps in this game. I don't expect the full workload for Al Woods with him coming back from that knee issue, but I would anticipate he's going to be playing in this game, and it's good to have both those guys and keep them fresh, rotating them at that nose tackle position, both of them bringing some disruptive tendencies to the table. The Chargers have a pretty long injury report too, Nick, and the most notable one, Keenan Allen has been out since week one, since the season opener with a hamstring injury. I personally still believe Keenan Allen is one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL. And I would put him in the top three for route runners. And he would be a real problem for the Seahawks secondary if healthy. But it sounds like there's a chance they may be cautious here and wait till after their week eight bye. The Seahawks would love that, not having to worry about him. But Corey Lindsley, their starting center, he's still dealing with some issues from food poisoning. I expect that he's going to play. They're going to be without their kicker, Dustin Hopkins. That's a big deal. Anytime you play a team without their kicker, that's always a big problem. And they got a couple players in Joshua Palmer and Donald Parham that are dealing with concussions that are probably not going to be available this week either. And those two guys, if Keenan Allen's not there and they're also missing those two players, the 6'8 Parham is a really athletic pass-catching tight end. I mean, who does Justin Herbert have to throw to away from Mike Williams? They're going to be missing almost his entire supporting cast. They'll have Gerald Everett, the former Seahawk, as well. He was a full participant on Thursday dealing with an illness. He's going to be playing this week. But they just have a very small amount of weapons right now compared to what they would if they were fully healthy. They're hoping they can get Keenan Allen back this week. Yeah, I, I'd be pretty doubtful about that. Yeah, Keenan Allen, for me, is, is a bigger Tyler Lockett. I think he's just one of the more solid, reliable receivers in the NFL. Um, now Mike Williams is a huge target, big, big time player when, when he's on. Um, and, and I'm, I think a lot of Seahawks fans are kind of bracing for a Gerald Everett revenge game, <laughs> which is a valid, valid fear. Um, and, and if you watch my fantasy show, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. 
Um, but also uh, DeAndre Carter, I think, is a fine receiver in his own right. He's kind of he's kind of become a, ha, has a bigger role now um, with all these injuries, and I, I think that he's he's kind of coming into his own uh, almost 200 yards receiving in limited action. So um, yeah, with Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Gerald Everett, and uh, DeAndre Carter, um, Jalen Guyton, and and guys like that. So it's it's kind of a bit of a patchwork under Mike Williams and and uh, Gerald Everett there in, in the passing game, but. They, they, they certainly do are not the cover is not completely bare, but it would definitely be a bigger concern um, for the Seahawks if Keenan Allen were to find a way to play. If he does play and is healthy for, you know, if if, if the development changes dramatically and he, he is able to play, that is a concerning development for the Seahawks because he Keenan Allen is a problem and he has been for some time. So for the Seahawks sake, they're probably hoping he maybe just takes it easy one more week into the bye week and, and gets right for the the latter half of the season, but um, that that could be a big swing if if Allen plays or not. You know the Seahawks. If that happens, they've had a pretty nice run of fortune when it comes to not having to see top receivers because the Lions didn't have Saint Brown and Shark, and then the Saints were missing Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Olave got hurt in the second half of that game. Hopkins and then, uh, last week's opponent, there was no DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. The Cardinals were shorthanded at receiver. And went out and traded for Robbie Anderson after the game. So they, I mean, they've been fortunate. If Keenan Allen does play in this game, then you know sometimes the luck's got to change a little bit. You got to beat teams that are full strength. Keenan Allen would put them much closer to that, and it would, would be a major test for Kobe Bryant too, because this is a guy that plays outside and in the slot and is equally effective. So we'll see where that goes. Right now, it looks like this is truly a 50-50 game time type thing, and the Chargers may not want to force the issue against the Seahawks, who are. A solid football team at three and three, but they're not, you know, another four and two or five and one team. The Chargers might decide we think we can win this game without him and they might rest him. So we'll have to see what that thought process is, where he's at health wise going into this matchup at SoFi Stadium. Up next, Nick and I are going to be devising a game plan. What the Seahawks need to do to defeat the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium and that rough rough stretch of four straight losses for Pete Carroll and company in L.A. They've lost four straight games to the Rams there what do they need to do to end that streak we'll be breaking it all down coming up next year on our blue Friday edition of locked on Seahawks all right here's a sports analogy for you when it comes to burglars your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster this is why I use and trust simply safe home security at simply safe your safety is the only thing that matters They've got cutting-edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back, so you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, you get 24-7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen 
five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out the NFL Key Predictions show every Friday coming out today with a new episode on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday night football, plus betting advice from the field's leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Seahawks have not been able to win back-to-back games yet this season. They're looking for a winning streak, and they got a little bit of a barrier in front of them going into Week 7, Nick, as I've mentioned a couple times already on this show. Pete Carroll, former USC coach, going back to his old stomping grounds, hasn't necessarily been good luck for the Seahawks. They're 1-5 in in games against the Los Angeles Rams since they moved back to L.A. This will be the first time they've played the Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Little different circumstances. There's been some questions about the fan base in his home games. I'm expecting there's going to be a lot of Seahawks fans at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, but nonetheless, SoFi has been a house of horrors for the Seahawks so far. They have yet to win a game there. Can they buck that trend and get a consecutive victory to move to four and three, stay atop the NFC West? How do they accomplish that, Nick? Let's start on the offensive side of the football. What do the Seahawks need to do to beat the Chargers this weekend? Well, to make a Southern California reference, because uh, the the Chargers are in Southern California still, apparently, I guess. I don't know. I haven't really paid attention since they left my home of San Diego. But, um, yes, yeah, surf the momentum wave of Ken Walker. And that 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 wave kind of kind of broke and 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 crash or not crashed, but it broke and, and you're surfing down it last week with the 97 yards rushing and a touchdown from uh, Ken Walker. And the Chargers allow a league worst 5.6 yards per carry. Um, they're not the greatest tackling team. They uh, allow the they're 23rd in rushing yards allowed per game, while the Seahawks are 11th in rushing yards per game on offense. So this is a good matchup for the Seahawks in the run game. And you know that that's the, the Seahawks are at their best when they can control the line of scrimmage, they can control the run game and, and keep, keep ahead of ahead of schedule, ahead of the chains and, and really dictate things. And that's when the Seahawks are at their best. You saw that last week with the Cardinals, they were able to run the ball a little bit with Ken Walker and uh, really set the tone for, for that game and, and helped them seal that victory. So this is another one where this, the car, the chargers definitely, do not have the best run defense. In fact, they have, in some metrics, some of the worst. And Ken Walker, I think, has a bit of confidence, a bit of momentum now as RB1 with Penny's injury. And I think you got to ride that wave. Yeah, I think this is one of those games, if you can't run the football by halftime, you just go get on the plane and fly home. There's no excuse. You ought to be able to – this Chargers defense has basically been like a dam trying to stop water made out of cotton balls most of the year. They just haven't been able to stop anybody. The Broncos are the only team that haven't ran on them, and we're talking about the worst offense in the NFL in the Denver Broncos. So the way the Seahawks have been able to run the football with Penny or Ken Walker the third, this is an opponent that interior defensive line has been shaky at best. The linebackers have been horrific against the run, particularly Drew Tranquil. He's got 10 missed tackles this year, according to Pro Football Focus. And he's a solid cover and blitz linebacker, but when it comes to you know being physical against the run, not a strength for him. And so this does feel like a game that the Seahawks can get some gap running schemes going mixed in with their inside, outside, mid-zone concepts. And they can get downhill a little bit. This is an opponent you should be able to run the football on and have great success 
with Ken Walker III and DJ Dallas even getting in the mix. So I agree with you on that. As far as my second thing, I think that this is a game when you can run the football in particular, you have to capitalize on big play chances when they arise in the passing game. And you just look at the numbers. The Seahawks are fifth in the NFL in explosive plays since week three. The Chargers are 26th in yards per play allowed. The Seahawks are third in yards per play this season. That seems like that would lean heavily in Seattle's favor. And you look at the talent that the Chargers have in the secondary, and you would wonder, why is this a key? They they spent all this money on J.C. Jackson, and they've got Asante Samuel Jr. They've got two really solid safeties. The corners have not played well. Samuel's been okay this year, but J.C. Jackson so far has been one of the worst free agent busts imaginable. Gave him a long touchdown pass in the game against the Broncos, got benched at halftime. He's given up almost 350 yards receiving in four games played. It has been a disaster so far. Now, maybe this is the game he turns it around after getting benched. Maybe they change up their scheme to fit him better, but it's really been a struggle. And neither one of those guys are big. So I'm wondering what DK Metcalf is thinking going to this game. He's probably licking his chops a little bit. He's got a major size advantage on both of the Chargers starting corners. The tight ends could have success in this game as well. D. Eskridge, I mean, this is not a defense as much talent as they have that has played up to that level to this point. Aside from last week, and again, that was against the Broncos, so maybe you want to put an asterisk on it. This is a game that Geno Smith is going to have to be able to hit on some shots downfield because I think those opportunities will be there for him, especially if the run game is as effective as it should be. Yeah, the Chargers defense is actually a little bit like what the Seahawks have been in the last few years where they're uber talented. You know, it's not been a personnel issue. It's just been, you know, these guys are in the right spots. Um, J.C. Jackson actually is almost allowed a perfect passer rating, <laughs> um, 149.3 passer rating, uh, uh, according to Pro Football Reference. Um, and uh, Michael Davis, my BYU guy, 112.1 allowed. And this year, Adderley, the safety, 104. They have several main main players on, in the secondary that are allowing over 100 passer rating. So that that's that, that they're, they're definitely a place to be had there. And along the in, in the trenches, there's a guy named Khalil Mack Corbin that I think that the Seahawks probably should uh, take an account. He leads the team with six sacks, and without Joey Boza, who's still is out um, and probably will be out for some time still um, on IR currently, he's the guy. He is the main cog, the main engine that makes the pass rush for the Chargers go. And and then consequently, if the Seahawks can somehow neutralize him or at least uh, slow him down. The Seahawks or the uh, Chargers have no pass rush. They just don't. Um, the the uh, the Chargers had the a twenty seventh ranked pass rush win rate, and so they, they just have not been able to win at the in the trenches in the pass rush game. And it's really been Khalil Mack or bust. So the Seahawks obviously need to make sure that's a bust. Yeah, the best way you can do that have your tight ends chipping on him, get the running back staying in the backfield, and have them there for extra protection. The guards can come over and maybe do some double teams. There's some creative things you can do with your pass protection to try to help out on Khalil Mack. I think this is a game you absolutely have to do this. If they had Joey Bosa out there, it'd be much tougher to do that because now you got to deal with two guys on the outside. But as you mentioned, they've really struggled to get pressure on quarterbacks with anybody else. Kyle Van Noy, that's not typically his game. If he's rushing off the edge, that's not a strong point for him necessarily. And Chris Rumpf is athletic but has not necessarily been – disruptive this year for them either so it has been the Khalil Mack show or bust the thing is Khalil Mack can get doubled and still beat you because he is an absolute menace he is still a player I actually think Khalil Mack looks like the player from 
his time with the Raiders and early in Chicago, not the guy from the last couple of years that was still very, very good, but he looks elite again. And so that is the kind of player that really worries you, especially going against two rookie tackles. That's why I'm saying you've got to provide a support system for Abe Lucas and Charles Cross. They haven't really done that this year for the most part. They have trusted their rookie tackles on an island against some really good pass rushers. And for the most part, they've held up. But I don't know that you can do that in this game. And I think it would be dumb not to send extra guys to help when you know that the rest of the defensive line hasn't necessarily been tearing it up, getting after the quarterback you got to take away Khalil Mack as much as you can and not let him destroy your game plan individually because he's capable of doing that. Now let's flip the script now, the Seahawks on defense. We talked about getting that running game rolling with Ken Walker III. I feel like the Chargers are probably going to go into this game thinking the same thing because of a certain guy, Austin Eckler, in the backfield. And to me, this really is key one, key two, and key three. You have to swarm to Austin Eckler, and when you get there, you got to wrap and finish because this guy is going to break a lot of tackles. He's in the middle of the league as a running back in broken tackles, but he leads this Chargers team. He's got 349 rushing yards. He's averaging almost five yards per carry. He leads the team with 41 receptions, six combined touchdowns, and this is the thing that jumps out to me. He has 15 missed tackles forced as a receiver, which is the second most in the entire NFL. And we know the Seahawks have had their issues with players like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, and great, now he's in San Francisco. And players that are like that, that are just as good, if not better, as receivers out of the backfield than they are in running the football. Austin Eckler is one of those players, and he can do a lot of damage after the catch by breaking tackles, making defenders miss. The Seahawks have got to be on their A-game tackling. If he gets dump-offs on screens or he runs Texas routes, swing routes, whatever, you have got to swarm to the football, and you've got to get him down. If he creates after the catch, this could be a long afternoon for the Seahawks' defense, as we've seen far too many times this year. Yeah, Austin Eckler is a top five, top three running back in the NFL as far as how effective he is, how much he can um, hurt you in different ways. So a stat that stuck out to me, he has 344 yards after the catch <laughs> as a running back. And actually, that's more yards than he has receiving, <laughs> um, you know, because he catches a lot in the backfield. But um, just he can make you miss and he, he can, you know, if you don't swarm, if you don't have that, you know, that cliche swarm to the football, he will burn you with one or two missed tackles. It's a one yard loss, a three yard gain could turn into a 20 yard gain plus touchdown, you know. Um, so Austin Eckler is absolutely the key to stop, especially with them being down a few weapons like Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler becomes that more important to their offense. They're actually the number three passing offense in the NFL. And a lot of that has to do with the, with the weapons they have in the backfield with Austin Eckler. He can do it out all. Like I said, I'm a bit of a fantasy buff. He's been a fantasy darling this year. And part of that is because he's so effective in the passing game. And also they're pretty darn good on third downs. They're, they're number eight in the NFL on third downs. And a lot of that again has to do with, with Austin Eckler. So he he's going to be, um, he, he can be a one-man wrecking ball. you got to corral him. All right, let's talk about the other featured player on this offense because some of our listeners might be like, okay, cool, you've talked about a bunch of running backs, but you know they have a quarterback named Justin Herbert who's pretty darn good in his own right. And I think it's uh, pretty safe to say the Seahawks have to find a way to get pressure on him. And for me, this boils down to selectively blitzing, mixing in some stunts to try to help pressure Herbert. Now, Nick, this really stood out to me looking at pro football focus. Justin Herbert has been pressured 99 times so far this year. 
That is the most in the entire NFL. And yet he's only been sacked seven times, which is tied for the lowest amount among qualified quarterbacks. So teams have been able to get after him, but they have not been able to bring him down. Some of that's his pocket movement. Some is the fact that, you know, Pete Carroll mentioned Josh Allen, and I can see some similarities there. But I also was thinking a young Ben Roethlisberger. It just seems like he has the innate ability. He's kind of, as Clint Hurt mentioned, he's kind of like a tight end or a defensive lineman playing quarterback. He can just shrug off pass rushers. And then he goes up and he burns you. And he's an underrated athlete that can run when he needs to as well. And so you've got to be careful with your blitzes. And when you do send extra pressure, you better finish. Because if you don't, that's where the big explosive plays on extended plays come. That's where the long touchdowns on broken coverages happen. And so you're going to have to be careful with that. At the same time, you can't let him just sit back there and pick you apart either. So they got to find that balance. And when they do blitz, when they do mix in their stunts up front, you better get home and you better find a way to get him down. Swarming again is going to be big. You get one guy to him, you better have somebody else ready to come in and hit Herbert so that you get him to the ground. Because that's a lot easier said than done with a big, athletic, strong quarterback like Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think you got to get multiple sacks here. You got to get you got to get to him multiple times. When when looking at ESPN's pass block versus pass rush win rate, the Chargers are actually only twenty third in pass block win rate. So yeah, like you said, they they the pressure's there. It's just can you bring the six six two forty guy down? And that, that's just a huge that's a huge quarterback and a huge uh, huge task. Another one also is kind of going off that you got to limit the explosive play. So when you do blitz, you do pressure. That's that opens the door for Herbert to look downfield. And if, if there's a window there for an explosive play, he's going to try to take it so that you got to limit the chargers to less than five explosive passes. And Herbert ranks third in the NFL um, with 13 completions of over 20 yards or at least 20 yards. And um, he's, he's got some weapons. Mike Williams is a pretty darn good downfield guy. Um, so again, with, with some of the pressure that you bring that opens the door for Herbert to look downfield and say, all right, so you're bringing plus one, plus two, you know, pressure someone down there, you know, it's that mean like, screw it. Someone is open downfield, you know, and that happens sometimes with the chargers and sometimes it's worked. I look at this game and Seattle's been middle of the pack for two deep coverages, but I'm expecting to see quite a bit of that in this game. And Denver did quite a bit of that last week. Now the Broncos have a top three defense, which is what makes their two and four record all the more appalling if you're a Broncos fan. But, you know, they had a lot of success getting quick pressure on Justin Herbert, particularly in the second half and overtime last week. He was not able to get comfortable on Monday Night Football. If the Seahawks can do that in this game and they're playing those two deep coverages to try to take away those deep balls downfield, you don't give Justin Herbert the time to make those throws downfield. That seems like that's the recipe for success. Now, you still got to keep the receivers in front of you. We've seen two deep coverages not work well for the Seahawks and still let guys behind them this year. So you have to execute the coverage. And really, it boils down to your front seven, your front five. Can you find a way to get to Justin Herbert, speed up that clock for him in the pocket, and take away those deep balls because he doesn't have time to throw them? That is really going to be the key. And like you said, you limit them to less than five pass plays of 20-plus yards. You find a way to limit those explosives then I think that gives you a much much better chance to come out of L.A. with the victory. Up next, we're going to dish out our X factors. We're going to look at the keys to victory, what we think Seattle must do to win, and, of course, our predictions heading into Sunday's matchup at SoFi Stadium. We'll get to all those things coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis in every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, is to head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. We appreciate all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure for your second listen to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick, we've got this big game coming up for the Seahawks on Sunday. They're 3-3. Three and three. They've got some momentum, tied for first in the NFC West. There is actually a way they could win this game and be in sole possession of first place. The 49ers have a tough game coming up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, so there is an outside chance the Seahawks could be in first place by themselves coming out of this weekend. But to make that happen, they've got to beat the Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Let's talk X-Factors. When you're looking at a game like this against a team that's 4-2, and two, the Chargers have a lot of talent. you got to have some unsung heroes step up to the plate. Who do you have as your X-Factor for Week 7 for the Seahawks? Well, we kind of just talked about limiting the explosive passing plays by Justin Herbert and his offense and his company. And for me, that means that a guy like, like Kobe Bryant will be my X, is my X-Factor. And I could have gone couple of different ways, you know, Tariq Woolen, another interception, um, but I'm not sure that's under the radar anymore. He's very much on the radar. Um, so for me, it's Kobe Bryant. It'll be about limiting those explosive passing plays with or without Keenan Allen. Uh, the Chargers are going to try that. And Ken, uh, Bryant will be tasked to um, prevent guys from, from wiggling free downfield from the middle. And also, it wouldn't surprise me if a time or two or three or four um, Kobe Bryant just happens to be on scene, one of the first ones on scene for an attempt to tackle Austin Heck, Austin Eckler. Um, and you know, when when you're when you're in that position, you best not miss because if you do, that could spell trouble for you. So whether that's you know in the backfield, Bryant reads it or downfield or whatever it is, I think he'll have some chances there. So limiting the explosive passing plays and being present um, to tackle the running back out of the backfield in the passing game as well. Um, Kobe Bryant, I think, is going to play a key role in this. Yeah, and if Keenan Allen plays, they are going to need a big game from Kobe Bryant because he's going to play a lot out of the slot, and he is such a good route runner, and he's got size. Bryant mentioned that yesterday when the media talked to him. So that's something you got to keep in mind. If he's healthy, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bryant to step up to the plate and play well against a really good opponent if Allen's out there. Even if not, DeAndre Carter, as you mentioned, has done a pretty good job out of the slot as well for the Chargers. I'm going to go on offense with a player who – Kind of had become a forgotten man. And then last week, I know I know he had a better game statistically against the 49ers a year ago and he scored a touchdown. But I thought D. Eskridge took a big step forward last week against the Cardinals. He made three catches that all went for first downs. We saw the after-the-catch ability, a chance for him to get some confidence up. And clearly, Geno Smith has more confidence in him. And we mentioned the injury for Tyler Lockett. Even if Lockett plays in this game, and I think if I'm predicting right now, he is going to be out there. I don't think he's going to be close to 100%. 
that means you need number one to step up again and come through with some big plays. And I think his athleticism against this secondary, he has the ability to win vertically. We have not seen that yet. I actually predict in this game, I'm making this as a prediction. I think D. Eskridge is going to have a 30-plus yard reception. I don't know if that means it's going to be a vertical or it's going to be a post or corner or whatever, or if it's a big play on a short catch, he breaks a tackle, makes a guy miss, whatever. But I think he is going to have a big explosive play in this football game that's going to impact the game positively for Seattle. He's really playing with confidence that he hasn't had because of injuries but this is a great opportunity for him against a secondary that has had problems giving up big plays. They're among the league's top teams in giving up yardage and touchdowns to receivers. I think this is a great opportunity for D. Eskridge to step up. And I can even see him getting involved some in the running game. We haven't seen Shane Waldron really do that much this year where they've been handed off to him on jet sweeps and stuff. Last year was way too predictable. But if he's catching passes as a receiver and making plays – it's going to be that much tougher for defenses to lock in on him as a running threat. So I could even see him getting involved that way. I think this is a big game for D. Eskridge. They need him to play at a high level, especially if Tyler Lockett is not close to 100%. He's got to help pick up the slack like he did last week, playing really well against the Cardinals. We've talked game plan. We've looked at a number of things the Seahawks need to do to win this game. But, Nick, from your perspective, the Seahawks win if. What do they absolutely have to do to win on Sunday? Well, they definitely have to um, – uh, I saw the stat, on at least on defense, when the Seahawks allow less than 40% third-down conversions, they are going to win the football game. They're undefeated when they do that. So the Chargers – on and the, the Seahawks are, are kind of middle of the pack on as far as third-down defense. Um, and actually, no, they're, they're not – I just misspoke. They're pretty bad, actually, 28th in, in third-down defense as far as conversion rate. So I think if you can – get up to the, the 40% threshold or limit them to the 40% threshold or lower, then yeah, you, you have a chance to win. Um, and it, it's it's going to be, you're going to have some chunk plays. You got to make some explosive plays too. So, um, but really my focus is going to be on the 40% uh, third down conversion rate, just because it, it, you saw in that, that game against the Broncos, if you have a competent offense, <laughs> that if the Broncos have a competent offense, they blow the Chargers out of the water because they just they could not get anything going. The the Justin Herbert was totally out of rhythm, totally out of whack, and the, the Broncos should have won that game pretty handily, but they didn't because they don't have a competent offense. Yeah, I think that that's noteworthy. As I've mentioned a couple times, the Broncos just haven't been able to score points against anyone, and so you know the Seahawks are going to have an opportunity. The Chargers have given up a lot of point, points in several games this year. They're going to have a chance to get that offense untracked after having kind of a down performance against Arizona despite winning that game at home last Sunday. For me, it goes back to the running game on both sides of the ball. They have got to find a way to establish KW9, get Ken Walker to third rolling. As I mentioned, this defense has been charm and soft against the run most of this year. You have got to take advantage of that. I think you run for 125-plus yards. Geno Smith can be mixed in there as well. We've seen his mobility really become a factor for the Seahawks this year in games I think that people weren't expecting. And maybe I'm being a little bit too ambitious here, but you need to hold Austin Eckler to under 120 all-purpose yards. Now, that might seem impossible given how much they throw the football to him, his running ability, but like they've got to find a way to try to neutralize him in this game, especially if Keenan Allen doesn't play. Right now, again, that's a 50-50 proposition, but if you don't have Allen out there, there aren't a lot of weapons for Justin Herbert. He is going to be leaning 
on Austin Eckler. If you can find a way to get him down immediately when he catches the football, not allow him to rack up yards after the catch, not allow him to get a bunch of yards after contact as a runner, that's easier said than done, obviously. But if you can limit his production, Pete Carroll felt fairly good about what they did against Alvin Kamara a few weeks ago, but he had that 54-yard catch on a screen. You can't give up plays like that. There are going to be some bigger plays from Austin Eckler, but you've got to limit those and really neutralize him. So if you can keep him under that 120 mark, heck, 150 might have even been a better number. You've got to find a way to neutralize that dual threat running back out of the backfield. If you can do that with the limited weapons at Justin Herbert's disposal, it makes it easier to get after him and really slow down this offense. So a lot of this game to me boils down to the running backs on both sides of the football. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Make sure to check out locked on Seahawks and the Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, YouTube five days a week as well. Before we take off and we send our listeners out for the weekend, Nick real quick, Seahawks or chargers. Who's winning this football game? I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a, you know, maybe not a defensive battle like we saw with the Cardinals or the, with the Broncos with the Chargers. Um, Seahawks defense made strides last week. They have not played great at home. They got smashed by the Jaguars. Barely beat the terrible Broncos in overtime. Chargers are very flawed. I'm going to go Seahawks 27, Chargers 23. They do just enough on offense, get enough explosive plays, and and limit Austin Eckler to not you know, in, in an elite game that like he usually has. We'll see what happens. As our listeners saw on Thursday, I picked the Seahawks to win this game as well. Uh, historically, that hasn't always been good when Nick and I both picked the Seahawks, but we'll see if they can buck that trend, just like winning in L.A. has been a difficulty for them. Maybe they can break both those, get two birds with one stone. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL and Nick Lee 51 and make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and five days a week on YouTube. We'll have our weekly postcast coming after Sunday's game in Los Angeles. I will be on site covering that game at SoFi Stadium and a couple hours after the final whistle, we will have our postcast looking at game balls, key storylines, and much more. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game. Go Hawks.